everybody. Welcome to this installment of the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast here on the Everything Unscripted Podcast Network. I am, of course, your uh, host for tonight's episode, Doug Hummer. And tonight it's a very special episode. We're doing a one-on-one interview. And let me introduce to you the man I am interviewing tonight uh, from the G, uh, formerly of the GWF, the Global Wrestling Federation, and Extreme Championship Wrestling, the California stud, Rugged Rod Price. Rod, how are you? Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing good. Starting to cool off down here in Louisiana, so it's starting to be nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been hot here in uh, in Philadelphia the last week and a half too. I was outside water. Or I was outside watering plants today at the workplace. I was dying. <laughs> well, water is one thing we don't have to worry about. It's been raining here every day, and I mean every day. It's just that time of the year, you know. Right. But, uh, no, we appreciate you coming on. And like I said, tonight is basically going to be an interview. We're going to interview you about your uh, life and career. Uh, We've had you on the show so many times talking about other people and other things that we decided, or that I decided, I'm the only one here, uh, that, uh, that, you know, it's time that, you know, we kind of get into your career. Okay. I appreciate it, man. No problem. And uh, I, I want to kind of start with, uh, you know, before you got into wrestling, you were in the NFL, correct? Yeah, I, I bounced around. I didn't stay with one team uh, very long. I kind of, uh, through training camps, they would cut, resign me and get traded around and I enjoyed it, man. That's what I wanted to do when I was little. That and Russell. Right. Uh, so you play? Uh, I'm guessing you you played football in college. Yes, I played uh, won a championship at San Bernardino Valley College in '82, and went to Long Beach State. They ended up uh, the coaches ended up moving and. Uh, they they brought in different coaches and they were on TV in Southern California. That was one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Long Beach State uh, because of the exposure. And they ended up dropping their TV contract. They went from playing from Anaheim Stadium into Veterans Field, which at the time I've seen high school fields that were better. So uh, I ended up sitting out and I I. I Went back uh, in 84 and played under Mike Shepard. Uh, he coached the Saints later on, but kind of kind of fell through the cracks and got my uh, got my opportunity through uh, connections I made at San Bernardino Valley. One of the coaches uh, knew the Rams player or knew the Rams coaches in Los Angeles. And I ended up uh, walking on with them. Okay. And so you played for the Rams, and you also played for the Raiders and the Chargers, correct? I went to I went to the Raiders for I, I say I had a cup of coffee, and I literally did because uh, I ended up getting traded to San Diego. Okay. Um. Now, did you ever play like a, Did you ever play a, a full season with the team? No, no. I played. I my position. I played nose tackle. I played center, 
and you got to remember at at this era and that in that time uh there wasn't a lot of money and the more positions you played the better opportunity you had of catching on with the team and i long snapped and that's what kept me around the most okay yeah, because I remember, like, because, you know, I, did, I didn't even know that you played football until I was actually watching an old episode of uh, GWF on, uh, on YouTube, and uh, Craig Johnson uh, had mentioned it, that, that at one time you were a Raider. And, you know, it's wrestling, so they, you know, you could, uh, it's wrestling, and, you know, you could go to a game, and they say, oh, you were a superstar. So <laughs> yeah. I watched I watched many, many games with the best seats in the house on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so you did that. So you first broke into wrestling in 88, right? Yeah, I, I uh, started in California. I was uh, trained. Red Bass team got me in. I was trained by Mondo Guerrero, and I worked worked locally, and just wasn't enough opportunity, and Texas was the place to be. So that's where I went. Now, were you a fan of wrestling growing up? Absolutely. Ever since I was a little kid, man. Always loved wrestling. I, uh, who who was your uh, who was your favorite growing up? Uh, I grew up. I lived in Indiana for a while until I was about twelve. So I got to see a lot of AWA and Dick the Bruiser, Nick Bockwinkle, the Kangaroos. They were uh, regulars on uh, the local TV there that were at the Civic Center all the time. Yeah, no, I, I've, I'm a huge fan of uh, Nick Bockwinkle myself. I think sure. that he is yeah. – he, he would be in my top five of greatest wrestlers of all time. I totally agree, man. Yeah. So, all right, so you got into wrestling, and then you said you went to Texas. Now, when you went to Texas, that was when uh, Jerry Jarrett had already bought the territory from Fritz, right? Right. I was still I was still working for world class, working with the Von Erics, but uh Jerry Jarrett had bought it and they were uh USWA was in there and it was uh I I've gotta I've gotta think and I I've done the show, you know, so many shows and I always forget Reggie B. Fine. He is the one that uh got me the opportunity to work with uh USWA. Yeah, I remember. I remember Reggie. I remember watching him on TV. Yeah, he uh, he was in. You know, he was working out of Memphis and was involved as a manager. And he uh, he brought me in, introduced me to to Jared and Lawler, and that's uh, when they. I was still. It was the funny part about. It, I was still working uh, independent shows outside of that, but uh, they brought me in because I didn't have TV exposure, and that's when I came uh, the man out of the audience and started the Kerry Von Eric angle. Okay. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, working with uh, working with Kerry. He's another one. He uh, was one of my favorites when I was, when I was really little, 
mm-hmm. and it was actually it was actually funny. My mom tells this story a lot, uh, probably too much, but uh, there was a time like you know when I was really little, like world class technically wasn't available because I grew up in Buffalo, right? And world class was. Uh, not necessarily like available like in my area unless sometimes like the signal could get pirated so and like world class when I was like two three years old and I think it had already become USWA at that time but it was like world class was one of my favorite things to watch besides the WWF because I was enthralled with with Carrie and uh, one day the signal went out in the middle of the show <laughs> and I'm three years old and I'm pitching a fit of according to my mother. And so she actually, she actually called the, the cable company and said, when is the signal going to come back for that channel? And he's, and uh-huh. the guy just goes, well, it depends on which way the wind's blowing. Like, sometimes we get a signal for that. Sometimes we don't. Like, we're, you're not technically supposed to have that channel. <laughs> so, but then I think they got moved to, because USWA was on ESPN before Global was, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. to, uh, World Class was on, uh, it was a super channel, which was channel, I think it was 11 at the time, which was like the super channel around the Texas area that I know that I know it went up the, the TV went up around Boston and uh, some parts of the East coast, but it was, uh, it was also, I want to say, and I may be dead wrong, but I want to say it was uh, rebroadcasted on ESPN too, because I remember uh, watching the world class uh, when I was in college, you know, I'd catch it on ESPN so I don't know if it, it was USWA then or if it was still world class. Okay. Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your experiences with, with Carrie, uh, with Carrie Von Erich, uh, somebody that, you know, obviously tragic, you know, what happened to him and, you know, basically almost what happened to the entire family. Uh, yeah. But, and, you know, again, Carrie was one of my favorites. So talk about, like, your, your memories of uh, working, you know, a program with uh, with Carrie. Well, I, you know, I've said it a hundred times. I, I thought the world of Carrie, he was a great guy. I mean, super nice, super friendly. He'd give the shirt off his, off his back to anybody, man. And I hated, you know, I hate to see what drugs did to, you know, not only him, but their family. Personally, Carrie was... Uh, he was he was good in the ring. He just had to uh, be a little stiffer. He had to be a little more in control with him because he'd get a little, you know, you didn't know where his mind was. Was the big part for me. And I just, you know, if I if I got in the ring two or three minutes in the match and felt, you know, he was with me and with the match, then I I'd loosen up on it. But if uh, you know, I felt he was a little out there, I would just clamp him clamp him down and uh keep keep hold of him more if that makes sense to yeah. to let him kind of you know get in the groove let his mind come back but as far as you know i never he never hurt me he never uh you know didn't didn't he ever do anything that 
I didn't think was, you know, that was cheap or that was wrong. I never thought that about Kerry. He was he was a good athlete, good guy. You just had to, you know, and that's the way I approach him. I talked to a lot of guys, and and that's that's the way they took it. You know, they they go in the ring and see where he was at, talk to him, you know, try to feel him out, and then have a match. And I, I always had good matches with Kerry and thought he thought the world of him. When he left WWF or got fired, whatever it was, and he came back to Texas, man, we were getting ready to do a big program right before he passed. But, uh, man, I thought for the first time in his life he was, you know, seemed like he was calm and collective and, you know, was off drugs. I, I, it really took me by surprise when he took his, when he took his own life. But, uh, again, you know, you don't know where he was at in his heart. So I just, I just felt, you know, we had good things, good plans for him. Uh, James Beard and I talked about doing a program, you know, we never really got to settle the USWA things and we were going to build off of that and we're going to see if we could draw some money off of it. And I, I enjoyed, we talked, Karen and I talked about it a lot, of redoing that and how we were going to work it and all this and uh, never got the opportunity. And, and that's one of the regrets of uh, wrestling. I have never been able to finish a program with them. Right. And I remember that because uh, for a time uh, ESPN classic actually aired old episodes of the GWI. I think it was, they started doing that in 2013. So I got reacclimated back back then with, a lot of the GWF stuff. And I right. remember like, and I'm airing some of those episodes and then talking, you know, about Carrie being there. And uh, then, you know, the, they talked about the thing happening and, you know, the, the benefit show that uh, Texas did for him. Uh, mm-hmm. th- did you work that benefit show? I sure did. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I, I worked with, Either Terry Garvin or Scott Putsky. Okay. Oh, well, I got I got some questions about uh, Scott Putsky a little bit later on. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> with your guys' uh, time in the GWF, just because you know you. Well, I'll kind of get into it now, but like, because uh, you two guys were technically like, especially when uh, GWF management kind of shifted, you know, from Pedestino to North Star. You and Putsky were kind of considered like you were kind of considered the top heel, and he was considered the top babyface. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. At, at that time, um, it, it's unfortunate we didn't have uh, the backing from uh, you know. That's they started bringing writers, and we can go on this. We can go into that later, but uh, that's the first time that. You know, they started bringing in writers. They wanted us to do scripts and all that, and they were going way off the wall with what they wanted to do. Some of it was good, but other things were just, you know, it was too nuts. It was too hard to uh, follow, you know, not – we were so so used to improvising and and doing our own thing. Somebody that never had any – you know, never, never wrestled in her life. All, all her credits were because they were a writer. It was too hard to, too hard to follow. You know, because they had no clue what they were talking about. 
Right. It, it, it amazes me. And I think we talked about this uh, a couple of years ago when we did uh, a GWF episode of, uh, of this podcast uh, with uh, Scott Hudson and uh, John Horton. I think Sam Houston was on. Yeah. I know, I know you were on there. Uh, and, yeah. and we talked, we talked basically about how, you know, what a difference it was between like what Pettacino was doing as to what, you know, North star was doing. Cause, and John right. Horton had even said, it's like, it was two different GWS. It, it, it really was. And, uh, they were night and day as far as I can say. It, it gave me an opportunity, you know, to do different things on TV, you know, with the TV we had. And that opened up a lot of opportunities for me, but, uh, it was, uh, it was hard. It was really hard because uh, Great Pearson, he brought in some people that were just clueless, you know. And 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 for me, you know, looking in retrospect on it, it's like, boy, that's when uh, wrestling really took a bad turn because it seemed like everybody started doing that, you know, like a promoter or dad's got a lot of money, so his son wants to be a promoter. And then son brings all his friends in with all their ideas. And it, it just got way too crazy for me. Right. Now, uh, you, uh, now you basically were with the GWF during the entire run of the company, right? Yeah, I can I was in Puerto Rico for three months and finished up the anniversary shows with them and left. And when I came back, uh, Ack had already uh, talked to Pedersino about uh, coming in and working for him. So uh, when I got back, I mean, I immediately went back to work. Right. Now, and I'm trying to think, were you the only one that uh, was there for the entire run of the company or were there a couple other, uh, couple other people? Cause I know like people were coming and going. Yeah, there for a while it was uh, a real revolving door. At the, at the time, I was living in Dallas, and you know I was local. But uh, for me, especially later on, because I was going to Japan and out of the country a lot, and they would, you know, we'd work sometimes five five films in a night. You know, just my matches, or if I was working with Tatum, you know, we'd do five five matches in a night because I was going to be gone for three, six weeks, something like that. And, uh, it was, it was rough, man. <laughs> it, yeah, it's I, hard I, to work all week. It's hard to wrestle all week. Then, then on a Friday night, you do five matches that, you know, they're only 15, 20 minutes, but it's still five matches and you count promos and then you're flying out the next day to go to Japan. It, it, it wears on you, man. Oh, I I can only imagine. I can, I can't imagine uh, the wear and tear that you guys uh, went through, especially you know back in the day with with that kind of schedule. I mean now, like they give you know well now you know people are allowed to work these part time schedules to where they right. only have to do they only have to do TVs, uh, maybe a house show once every you know once every uh, few months or whatever. Which you know, back in the day, that was only allowed uh, allotted to you know Hogan. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, 
you know, it, it didn't matter if you were hurt or whatever. We didn't get paid if we didn't work. So we, a lot of guys worked with a lot of injuries and, you know, you, you go as long as you can go. And then one day you just got to get fixed. Right. Now I, I'm going to uh, kind of rewind here a little bit. Cause I, I do have to ask about this. Cause if I don't, you know, my, uh, my regular co-host Eric will get mad at me because he's such a huge fan of his, <laughs> but I, I got to ask you about, uh, your tag team with uh, Steve Austin. Now, uh, or go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, what an opportunity, you know. And and Steve and I were, you know, we were friends and still are. We don't talk that much. I don't, I don't talk to a lot of the boys. <laughs> but, uh, you know, through the grapevine, I'll, I'll get a message to him or he'll get one back to me still to this day. But uh, what an opportunity. Uh, what a good time. Got to work with, uh, with Steve and Jeannie. It was, uh, it was quite the opportunity. Yeah. Now when he took off and went to uh, WCW in, uh, in spring of 91, was there talk of you possibly going with him? Yeah, we were gonna. We were supposed to go to Memphis. We were gonna go to Memphis for, I don't know how many weeks, six, eight weeks or something. And the, you know, and I probably shot myself in the foot. But you know, Lawler and, and Jared were telling me, "Oh yeah, we're gonna," you know, because it was Memphis was a tough territory, man. I, I put ten thousand miles on my vehicle in a month just making shows, you know. And plus, they wanted to come back to Dallas and do the sportorium. It's it's okay with the travel. It's just you know they they built it up to where they were going to fly us from Memphis to Dallas, and then come back to Memphis, fly us back to Memphis, just to you know so it wouldn't be so hard on us. And then as the night progressed, it was like no, we're going to take a bus. We're going to do that, and you know. <laughs> I just uh, I've been in long enough to say you know I don't think that's what I want to do because that's not what you told me but I also had an opportunity to go to Japan and I made better money in Japan than I did working in the States so I took that route but at one time to answer your question yeah we were supposed to go tag team together and go to WCW afterwards okay yeah, because I remember, because Paul Heyman, and we're going to get into uh, Paul Heyman a little bit later on, because uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of friends of mine want to hear about your time in ECW. Uh, uh-huh. and, but uh, Paul Heyman said on, uh, back when Steve Austin, before it was Broken Skull Sessions, and it was just the Steve Austin show on the network, he talked about how, uh, you know, JR had said that, you know, Steve Austin and Rod Price were a hell of a tag team in Texas. And it's like, okay, if you thought they were a hell of a tag team, why didn't Rod come, why didn't Rod go with them? So I didn't know like if it just wasn't like, uh, if it was just timing or if it was just, you know, a different opportunity somewhere, or if they felt like, you know, Steve could be a star, which he ended up obviously becoming. Um, Right. And, I, you know, it could have gone either way. I enjoyed the tag team, 
And I knew we'd only go so far. I knew Steve Steve was, you know, obviously a hell of a talent. And, you know, that that wasn't my fear of, oh, we're going to break up and Steve's going to be a star. That was never my mindset or my fear. I was in it to make a living. And Japan just happened to be at that time was my bread and butter. Right. Because if I yeah. go on the road to Memphis, I, I wouldn't be allowed to go to Japan. So I just—it was a financial thing for me. Right. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's definitely understandable because I I think a lot of guys like even still to this day, uh, you know, the American wrestlers that uh, do uh, New Japan, uh, you know, they see that it's like it's a better opportunity for them. Uh, and because I think for the longest time. You know, Dr. Death Steve Williams didn't want to leave Japan, you know, because that, right. that was his bread and butter. Uh, well, it's an easier schedule because you go there six or eight weeks and then you're off, uh, you know, maybe a month, maybe six weeks. I would work, uh, I'd work like four or five weeks in Japan. I'd go to Korea for two uh, two weeks. And then come home, uh, kept always kept in touch with Akbar and James. And if they had, uh, you know, if they had stuff lined up when I got back, of course I'd go work. And, you know, sometimes I look back, sometimes I was so beat up and I'd go work. And I was like, you know, I wish I would have taken the time off. But, uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, But, uh I tried to work as much as I could. Uh, whenever I, whenever I was home, I always tried to, to get on. It didn't matter size of the show. I just wanted to stay in the ring and and you know keep the rust off. Right. Uh no, definitely can, definitely can understand that because uh, especially you know back in those days, you know it wasn't you know there were no guaranteed contracts you know back in the you know early 90s well not for like uh you know the smaller territories i know uh well actually no wwf didn't start giving out guaranteed contracts till i think like 96 97 wcw was doing them in 91 92 but that's just cuz they were just you know ted turner had the money to throw away right yeah uh yeah and you know I always, I always say God bless the ones that got it, but uh, there was a lot of ones that didn't. So. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, Global Wrestling Federation is actually, even though, again, it didn't last long, and I, I especially like the time period from, like, summer of 91 till beginning of spring 92, you know, when things change. But to me, Global Wrestling Federation is something I still look on with fond nostalgia. Uh and because there's a lot of guys that came through there, you guys, especially in that first half, you know, in, in that first part, you know, from summer 91 through spring of 92, there was a lot of good talent or great talent actually in that territory. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, whose so, idea was it to pair you and Hollywood? Uh, I believe it was James, James and Act. Uh, they thought we had a good, uh, good chemistry. Got along, you know, in the in the locker room, we always were joking and got along. And 
for me, it was a good opportunity to, to learn from John. I mean, John's psychology was unbelievable. And I, I learned so much in the short time that, that we worked together. Uh, just, you know, you get to a point where, wow, how much more can I learn? And then you get somewhere else and you go, wow, I've got a lot to learn. And that was the way it was with John, man. It was just, he could read a crowd, you know, he'd go out there and the people were going, well, they keep asking John, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. We'll have to wait till we get out there. And there for a while, I was like, okay, let's see what they're buying. I understood that. But John kind of, he had a, he had a vision that could see a little deeper in these people and boy, he could, he could pick it out. And I just ran off his lead and it was, uh, it was fun. I'll tell you that was, it was hard, but it was fun. Uh, I say hard because of the amount of matches we had to do, but, uh, boy, it was fun. We had a good time. Um, teaming with, uh, Tatum was one of the highlights of my life too. That was, it was fun. And to end it off in ECW was, was great. I had a ball in the ECW. Right. And we'll bet, like I said, we're going to get into ECW a little bit later on. Now in GWF, uh, of course you and John were part of the coast to coast connection uh, managed by Akbar. Also sweet daddy Falcone in there. And a lot of people don't know, uh, you know, they'll hear me say sweet daddy Falcone will be like, who is that? Uh, right. How did how did he come into the fold? Well, he was. Uh, you got to remember, you know, Friday nights was either you know at the time it was USWA or uh, when Global took over. Uh, during the week, uh, they had Killer Tim Brooks ran two shows a week, and there was so much talent. Like we were talking about earlier, there was so much talent in that Dallas uh, Fort Worth area that, I mean, you could put on killer was putting on shows down the street from the sportatorium and in Fort Worth. And the, the card was incredible. You know, you had Iceman was working for him while Orwin, sweet daddy. He had some of the students that were working for him and everybody was good. You know, people went there and they saw a good show, just like you would see on TV, but it was a house show. Right. Uh, so the three of you, you formed a Coast, Coast Connection. You start working a lot uh, with um, Jeff Gaylord and a gorgeous Gary Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of transitions because I believe uh, Jeff actually left the territory at yeah. some point. Uh, and then it kind of transitions and you kind of start working with, uh, with uh, wild bill who want, <laughs> he's another guy that I just, I loved as a kid. Like I, I love <laughs> the wild bill gimmick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I- I talked to him last week. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's doing great, man. Yeah. He's uh, uh, still, still living in Minnesota. I don't know why, but, uh, uh, yeah, he, he works a little bit. He's basically retired. He, he runs a – he'll drive a bus 
to the casinos for the old people or he'll drive the local hockey team to their games. But, you know, he only does that so often. And basically, uh, when the weather's right, he's on his motorcycle. Wow. Uh, he's actually one that like, it's basically it's on my podcast bucket list to get him on the show. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Him and, uh, him and I'd actually love it if I could somehow, uh, get, uh, get Hollywood on. Cause, uh, Hollywood is actually, uh, a favorite of, uh, a favorite of my brothers. Cause when, uh, they started airing uh, reruns of uh, GWF back in 2013 on ESPN Classic. My brother would watch it with me, and he'd look and he'd see John, and he would just kind of be, you know, just kind of enthralled with the charisma and you uh-huh. know, the, the the heel, you know, tactics of John. Uh, so yeah, like if that could, it, like if we can ever like manage that, getting either Bill or Hollywood on the show, like that that would be that's part of my podcast bucket list. Oh man, I'll help you in any way. I got both their numbers, man. Oh, well, I would definitely appreciate that. And we'll definitely talk about that later, uh, or off air. But, uh, so it's the wild bunch versus the coast to coast connection. The wild bunch is wild bill Irwin, black Bart and rattlesnake Mm range. And coast to coast connection. It's you, it's Hollywood. It's sweet daddy. Uh, how did, uh, was Rattlesnake Race like somebody, uh, like, uh, one of, uh, Killer, uh, Killer Tim's students, you know, like Sweet Daddy? No, uh, Race was actually, he, he worked for world class a little bit, you know, but he, he was around, he was a talent, and I guess when, uh, when global came back, I gave him the opportunity for him to, uh, get back into the, you know, into wrestling on TV. But, uh, I'm not sure who trained him. It might've been, may have been Akbar, but I'm not sure. But, uh, Rates was <laughs> in one of those, uh, one of those crazy guys in the business. He, uh, he took it very serious. Yeah. He, he looked, like he looked very serious on uh, on TV, but he was. I think he was actually a good fit in in the Wild Bunch because, to be honest with you, they all came off nuts. Uh, right. Especially Bart, but I loved Bart uh, Black Bart's promos. Uh, oh yeah. When when he would scream, and there was uh, one episode <laughs> where like Bonnie Blackstone is uh, asking him a fan question and he just starts screaming and then Bonnie just starts kind of, you know, puts her finger in the ear trying to clean it out like she's almost going <laughs> deaf. Uh, to me, it's just like, oh, oh, man, like Bart really knows how to get the attention. Cause I like it. I like promos where guys are, you know, pretty much they're, they're getting loud and it's just like, you know, they're making their point. But just like the way Bart also, you didn't really think he was making sense, but uh, like he was making perfect sense. And he was basically there. He basically was just looking to hit people with that horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bart. And yeah, he uh, his promos were classic. I don't know if you remember, but 
they had uh, they had him do a promo for the beginning of Global, and it was something about hang around for the roughest, toughest wrestling in the world. But it was it was such a black Bart moment, perfect, perfect promo for it, and. Uh, I'll catch it. Somebody will send it to me, you know, and I'll watch it. And it still cracks me up today. It's so classic Bart, man. He he was, he's such a good guy. I, I, he's one of the people I love in this business, man. And he was fun to be around. We always, I dipped, he dipped. So we'd always uh, share a, a garbage can in the back in my dressing room. <laughs> yeah. I actually think we might actually have uh, the GWF thing on here. Cause I think I had uh, my co-host Eric get it for uh, when we did the GWF episode. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can. It, it's such a classic man. Yeah. It's such a classic promo for it. Yeah. Uh, I got cats going at it in the background here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it, live radio, folks. But um, gotta love but yeah, it. No, gotta love it, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we had those two factions on, and I remember. Uh, I don't know if you have any recollections of, of this or not, but the the series where uh, it was like a two out of three fall, a two out of three match series for like the ten thousand dollar or like five or ten thousand uh, yeah. dollars. It was, you know, Hollywood worked right, Bill worked Sweet Daddy, and you took on Bart. And then you guys ended up winning the money, but then you did another match the next week where it was double or nothing, and then the Wild Bunch beat you guys. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How, uh, like, how, like, do you think that program, because to me, that was one of the, like, the, the highlight programs of the, of the territory. But, like, uh, like, how did you, like, work in uh, the six mans in the matches with the, with the Wild Bunch? I'd love, you know, you had uh, working Wild Bill and, and Black Bart was always a night off, man. I always look forward to rates. He was he was good, but you know he was a little. Sometimes he good. I always thought he got excited, you know, and would start getting a little, going a little crazy or going too fast. So slow him down. But working with Bart and uh, and Wild Bill always <laughs> there was such a such easy nights off, man. But I thought the I thought the program was great. It, it's one of those things that I didn't like with GWF was uh, the programs that could have, could have drawn out and, and made money and, and got a lot of mileage out. They always seemed to to cut them off. You know, it was sometimes two or three weeks, cut it off and you're on to the next thing. And I always protested and Akbar was with me. It was just, you get outvoted sometimes, you know, by the, by the money. And uh, that seemed to be it. James was always on board. Of, he was coming. He was frustrated. James Beard was more frustrated than anybody because he was coming up with the ideas, and then they would cut them off. And it's like, man, these were meant to be, you know, you could have got six months out of this, and you cram it all in three weeks. 
And it was, it was very frustrating to have to work like that. And looking back, it, it, there was so much money left on the table because it didn't follow through. Right. Uh, now, I, I got to ask you, you know, you talk about unfinished programs. When you and John won the GWF tag titles for the first time, you beat Steve Simpson in a handicap match because Chris Walker, I believe, had already jumped ship up north, right? Yes. To me, that was disappointing because, again, as a kid, Walker and Simpson, I thought, would, you know, a really cool, a really cool tag team. And even, you know, watching yeah. some of the episodes, you know, when it, they got rebroadcast in 2013, again, I thought, you know, Steve Simpson was cool. Chris Walker had a great look. I thought they had a great future, you know, thought they were great as a tag team. But then, you know, when he kind of took off for greener pastures, uh, which – didn't necessarily turn out to be so green because he was jobbing the warlord within a month of being there. Uh, right. But like, talk about like, uh, or at least like kind of try to take me back to that, to that day where basically you're being told, all right, we got to get the belts off Simpson. His partner t- took off. Uh, but, so we're going to get the belts off him. You guys are going to work two on one. I mean, was there talk of maybe possibly just getting him another partner and doing a regular tag match? Or Yeah, we were trying to get Sean. We, were, we wanted to get a Sean Simpson in at the time. And I don't – because I came back. I was, out, I was gone, and I came back on a Thursday. And I got with Ack and James. I know I'm here and going to be at the show, you know, do, be at the TV taping. And that's when Ack told me that uh, Chris had left. And I was like, all right, I go, well, what are they going to do? And I said, well, we're trying to get Sean and, you know, might bring him in as, a, you know, kind of a surprise guest. So going to going to the TV taping, that, that was my thinking. And then when they came up with this, you know, two-on-one handicap match, it was, uh, you know, yay, we got the belts, but it was like, how do you get them? You know, it's like... Uh, we were heels. We, we'd rather, you know, of course, two-on-one is great for a heel, but it wasn't the pop we wanted to get. Right. We'd rather got, got more heat with cheating, you know, hitting with the chain or doing something other than beating up one guy. Right. Yeah. Now, to me, it was, again, to me, especially, you know, to, to little me, you know, back in 1991 when this happened, it was it was disappointing uh, because again, they were. I thought they were a great team. I, you know, I think Steve Simpson was a great athlete. You know, Chris Walker. You know, I guess good for him that you know he had you know took off you know for a bigger break. I mean, unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be a bigger break. Uh, right. But um, talk about uh, working with uh, with Steve a little bit because you and John actually. In the second half of uh, GWF, uh, you know, the North Star owned GWF, him and John worked quite a bit, and, you know, you were kind of thrown in there too, correct? Yeah, uh, uh, a lot of world-class house shows when I first got to Texas and loved working with him. He was such a talent. And 
John had a longer, they had more of a TV, world-class TV history. So they were wanting to kind of redo that with John working Steve. Uh, I know the, for a while, I don't know. I, when I came back for a while, I, it was like uh, there was no heat between me and John, but we, we felt like we had heat with the office. And for what? I mean, it could have been anything with us, but uh, they just, either that or I don't know. Maybe they were trying to help me out because of my schedule. But, uh, you know, they put John on and I'd be at ringside sometimes or I'd do commentary or, you know, just walk John out. But, uh, you know, they put me on the crutch for a while and I'm, I'm trying to fit the timelines and my memory's horrible about that right now. But uh, I can't remember if that's when John was working Steve. Uh I had a knee injury, but it wasn't that bad where I couldn't work, but they put me on a crutch and said, well, just, you know, heal up. And then we use it as a, as a gimmick that I wouldn't hurt at all for the TV. I'm trying to think, because there was a, there was a video out there of a match between the two of them. And I think he beat John. And then I think you came out to attack him with the crutch and somehow, like, towards the end, uh, uh, JBL, or back then he was known as John Hawk, mm-hmm. he jumped right. in the ring after Steve had already cleared you guys out. Right. And <laughs> I vaguely remember that. I remember when, when John came in, and he another, you know, he was so big and, and could work, uh, which was a double plus. But uh, they were trying to push John, and I I can't remember, to tell you the truth, Doug, about why John was in that ring at that time or not. I'd have to see the match to spark my memory, man. Yeah, no, it's it, it's all good. I just kind of remember because uh, I, sometimes I get on these kicks, where, like, uh, I'll be on YouTube and I'll just type in somebody's name. Uh, Like, sometimes it'll be John, sometimes it'll be Steve, uh, or anybody from GWF. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm typing in your name. uh, Mm -hmm. Just so I could see, like, what pops up. Uh, And I'm kind of going a little bit out of order here, but I do have to ask this, because this video, like anytime your name has been researched, you know, by me over the last couple of days, the first video that pops up is a video of you working the handsome stranger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> other, uh, also known as Marcus Alexander Bagwell, also known as Buff Bagwell. Uh, now, you know, he's got, he's gotten his life back together. Uh, you know, thanks to DDP Yoga, and, and um, very happy for him. He, to be honest with you, he looks like a new man. He he looks like a new man. Uh, yeah, and, I, I and, saw I saw a picture of him on Facebook, and I I showed my wife. I was like, "Who do you think that is?" She's like, "I have no clue." I go, "That's Buff." She's like, "Wow, he <laughs> looked look great, man." Yeah. Now, the reason why I bring up, you know, like what are like, what are your memories of uh, working with uh, 
with Mark in uh, in GWF. I mean, he wasn't there for long, which uh, kind of you know sucks because he had a really good program going on with with Scott uh, with Scott Levy or Scott Anthony mm-hmm. as he was known there. Uh, right. But like, what are your what are your memories of uh, Bagwell in uh, in the Global Territory? I, uh, you know, I only got to work in that one time in that in that show, and that's when I when I came back from Puerto Rico. Uh, I remember telling Bill Eady, I was like, because <laughs> they had a they wanted me to. I did a couple of dark matches, and then I did uh, I, I worked with. Uh, I want uh, I worked with Dale the Patriot and I worked with uh, anyway I, when I worked with Mark it was like you know, it was like three jobs in a row and I said I said Bill what are you killing me in my hometown here <laughs> and Bill was like ah, don't worry about it so I was like okay but uh, working with Mark was was excellent man he was he was a good worker uh, it was so short, though, you know. Uh, I right. think I was just thrown in, thrown in to uh, build him up to work for the for the other angle. But uh, man, there was so much talent back then. Yeah, yeah. It was, I look at back on it now. It was such a privilege to be in that locker room. There was there was a lot of talent. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of talent that's uh, that was in that locker room that again, you know, I talked earlier about you know wanting to, you know, it's on my bucket list to get uh, you know Bill and and Hollywood on the show. There's a lot of guys that were in that locker room that like if I had the opportunity to get them on the show, like I would because there's so many there's so much I want to learn about the the GWF. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean. There's a lot that I've already learned about the GWF, obviously, from talking to you and a couple of times that I've had John Horton on this show. Uh, to me, GWF, even though it wasn't around very long, to me, I think it was still like a very instrumental territory. It was uh, perfect timing. Uh, when when Pedestino brought GWF in, there had been a – you know, like a little vacuum, uh, USWA had pulled out and it, it, there became like a, a little vacuum and nothing was going on sportatorium, which was unheard of. And when I heard, when I kept in touch with Akbar and Ak said, yeah, you know, when you finish up there, come back, uh, Joe Pedicino's get ready to open up the GWF. I already talked to him about you. And I said, you know, I go, well, how's it look? And he said, he goes, it's a good timing because people are hungry for wrestling and, you know, it's a good opportunity here. And it was. Yeah. Um, Now, I kind of want to get back. Uh, You and and John lose the GWF tag titles to to Bill and Bart in a two out of three fall uh, bunkhouse. Bunkhouse brawl, or you know something along those lines. Uh, to uh, me, I I love that match. Of, uh, and then but then it's just a few weeks later. Well, it's taped like two weeks later, uh, where you and John get the belts back after Bart turns heel, which by the way broke my heart. 
Uh, you know, we went through, uh, I think, after uh, Pedestino finished up and and, and uh, they opened it back up, GWF, uh, I can't remember the guy's name I'm thinking of, but I know Great Pearson and somebody else was involved. But there was, uh, there wasn't a lot of money, and it, as my memory serves, they won a lot of money and they couldn't, they were just basically using the local talent to, to save, uh, you know, bringing in people. And there was a time when uh, we were, it was getting real short on talent. And I think they had to flip Bart because we were getting really short on heels at the time. Yeah. Uh, Mike Davis was uh, doing a crazy gimmick, and he was, you know, he was getting over with it. And Mike was a, you know, good baby face, good heel. And uh, having having Bill as a baby face, he could have been easily a, a good heel, you know, at that time for us. But we were just overloaded. I think we were overloaded on baby faces and short on heels. And Bart happened to get the the draw. Right. Yeah. I I just remember. I remember uh, being just like again disappointed. Five year old me disappointed that you know Bart, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know Bart, you know did what he did, and then obviously him and Bill kind of had a little bit of a feud, uh, and then you and John lose the titles to uh, Terry. Well, he wasn't Terry Garvin anymore. He was Terry Sims, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and Scott Putsky. Uh, and I, I just got to say this, you know, rest in peace, obviously, to to Terry Sims. You know, passed away a few years ago. I've actually had the oppor- the opportunity to talk to Terry. Uh, yeah. Um, many or not many years ago. I think it was like 2015. Uh, when he had his uh, own podcast, I won some kind of contest. I-, I won some contest and I was able to talk to him for a half hour. And oh. it was, it was probably at that time, it was the greatest half hour of my life. Uh, cause sure. you know, he, he was the first wrestler interview that I ever actually got to do. Uh-huh. So, but like, so you guys lose the titles to, to Scott and Terry, uh, and then I think if memory serves me correct, you guys actually tur- you and John turned babyface. Turned. Uh, they they wanted. I think that's when Great Pearson came in the scene, and for some reason they thought, oh well, John and I would make great babyfaces. And I I've, I've never been a babyface in my life, so. When they uh, when they uh, flipped, I, you know, I was like, I looked at John. John's like, I don't know. You know, we uh, it didn't last long. I put it that way. Yeah, I remember it didn't last long, and I remember because John, I think, was only a baby face one time, and I think that's when uh, Missy Hyatt left him in real yeah. life for for Eddie Gilbert. But we really don't need to get into that uh but um like other than that because i could not picture 
Because I remember seeing it, and again, I remember seeing it again in 2013, again, when a lot of that, uh, when a lot of those episodes got re-released on ESPN Classic, and, and seeing you guys come out as baby faces, I'm just like, okay. They just aired, because uh, a lot of times these episodes aired, you know, out of order. It was like three episodes right. earlier they aired, they aired an episode where you guys were heels, and now it's like, okay, you guys are baby faces. Uh, yeah. Luckily, like at the time, I was not a fan of Stephen Dane, so when you guys were going against him, I was okay with that. Uh, <laughs> I had no problem rooting for you. But uh, it, to me, it was just it was just weird because – to me, you guys just seemed like the perfect heels. You know, I I remember Ack had his had his people, and it was like they wanted they were trying to get the angle uh, with John and I being under Akbar that you know Ack turned on us and we were gonna you know be big baby faces because of it. But we were such heels that when we walked down the baby face aisle, people were like, "Yeah, were, they don't believe it. I think you're, I think you're lying." And you know, the people just didn't buy it. Right. And, and it lasted. It lasted maybe two or three weeks, and you know, we went to, we went to the office and said, "There's no way, we're dying." And then that's when uh, Gary Hart kind of came in and took over uh, managing you guys, right? Right. Talk about Gary a little bit because he's one of those guys. To me, I think him and Akbar are two of the greatest managers that, uh, you know, never really made it to, you know, the big time, obviously, the WWF. But they're two of the greatest territory managers. Yes. Well, uh, Gary, you know, Gary was had such a mind for the business, and he was kind of out of it. I was working, I was working like South Texas, and he was uh, my manager a lot then. Outside of uh, before we got together on uh, GWF, but uh, he, I asked him at the time uh, before he started. I was like, uh, "Why aren't you up there?" You know, it was like they didn't want to bring him in because they didn't want to take the steam away from uh, Act. And I had to ask Act, I go, you and Gary got heat? He said, absolutely not. So I don't know who was telling the truth, but, uh, you know, I I was wondering why they hadn't brought him in sooner. And it may have been a money thing. I don't know. But uh, he was definitely, Gary was great, great on the road, great uh had some really good matches when he was my manager against uh, Al Perez because him and Gary were together so long. And uh, he was a lot of fun. Gary, he uh, had such a brain. And he was another one with the psychology and knew how to put together matches. And when he came there, I was really hoping that, you know, they were going to make him Booker and let him uh, call more shots, and that never ended up happening, and that was another uh, disappointment. Right, yeah, I can imagine that being a disappointment because he's, you know, he's got a hell of a mind. Uh, You mentioned Al Perez, and you've talked about, you know, the many times you've been on on this show before, you've talked about how great 
Al Perez, you know, Al Perez was. Uh, would you say he's possibly your favorite opponent? He's he's up there. Uh, <laughs> Al was he was such a smooth worker and was so white and for rib and you know he was he was trying to teach me how to how to work light and I could I could work either way. And if you want to work stiff, we work stiff. If you want to work light, we work light. But I was like uh, really. You know, he was really trying to change my soul from being such a crowbar into being a light worker. And I had more fun ribbing him. You know, I, I'd work light with him. When I'd get his confidence, I'd just stiff him really hard. <laughs> and and this rib, you know, went back and forth between us for a long time, you know. We'd work light together, and he would stiff me. And it was just uh, easy work. Another night off, Al was... Uh, Easy baby face, man. I, I really enjoyed working with Al Perez. Right, yeah, he's an he's another one that uh, you know. It's a shame that he he didn't get. Well, it, to be honest with you, a lot of the you know talent in the GWF that, or even territory talent, like even uh, you know you and you and John, and I'm going to say you know Bill and Bill and Bart and Al, like. I would have loved to have seen you guys, you know, I mean, eventually, you know, Bill did go to the WWF. I mean, he became yeah. a ghoul, but uh, like, I would have loved to have seen you guys, you know, on WWF TV. Oh, we would have loved to, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's still kind of a mystery. Uh, John talks with, uh, uh, with uh, Michael Hayes a lot, and okay. Michael Michael brought up, man, we really missed the boat with you and Rod. We should have we should have gone ahead and, and taken that chance. And of course, this is you know thirty years later, so we're like, yeah. well, thanks. Uh, yeah, we, we thought we had good talent. We thought we could have gone to WCW or uh, WWF and and did well, but. Uh, one in the cards, I guess. Right, and that, that's a that's a damn shame. Uh, so we're gonna uh, one more thing about uh, GWF, and then we're gonna move on. Uh, I, I do mm-hmm. want to uh, your program with Scott Pucky. Now you end up becoming the GWF North American Champion. Uh, the title gets awarded to you uh, because uh, Pucky either couldn't make. Uh, the date or something like what happened? Like, were you two? Were was he supposed to put you over and then he just not show up or like what happened there? Well, I don't really know what happened. Uh, you know, I heard he missed his fight. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you show up expecting one thing, and all of a sudden it's like uh, here here's the belt, you're the champion. I was like, mm, not the way I wanted to get it. And it happened a couple of times that way to me because uh, oh, I forget I somebody else had gone and I can't remember who and somebody else had gone on to either WCW or WWF and the vacated the belt and I showed up again and I said hey you're the champ I'm like man you guys are killing me. 
It, it, was that and, uh, was that when Stevie Ray had it? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. Yeah, because I know he was yeah, uh, GWF. Uh, I don't even know if it was the North American title at the time. It might have been. Uh, it might have already been renamed the GWF World Title. Uh, but yeah, because I, I, I remember reading that too, and it's just like it's it's kind of you know it's a shame that like you know I mean. You know, you got to be the the GWF, you know, world champion, but also too, like, you also want to beat people for the title. You just don't want to show up to the right. building and then they say, "Oh yeah, here, you know, here's another yeah. piece of luck." Yeah, it was uh, it was very disappointing, and you know, things like that. What I talked about earlier, you know, they just didn't handle the business end right all the time, and it really affected the show, the way, you know, the way the program came out. Uh, I remember being, (laughs) Sid Vicious came in and he grabbed me and he grabbed uh, Ebony Express and said, look, he was booking for WCW and said, uh, we'd like to bring you in. And Ebony was, they were on it, they jumped on it. And I should have, but I was working for uh, WWF doing house shows with them, and they were promising me, you know, we're going to put you on contract and all that crap. So I said no, and the funny thing about it is I saw Sid Vicious maybe three weeks later. He got fired, and uh, I saw him on a WWF show, and he just kind of shook his head at me and said, uh, I was like, well, you know, that's the way, you know, that's the way the business is. But uh, it was good for them. I'm glad to see those guys well and had stellar careers. But, uh, again, getting back to the question, it was just like GWF, they just did so many things good, but they did so many things wrong. And handing people belts because somebody moved on or no-showed, you know, you got to come up with a little more creativity than that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree. Cause that's also what the, the viewer would want too. And, and the audience yeah. too. Cause like if somebody buys a ticket to a, to a show thinking, okay, you know, we're going to get, you know, GWF world title match. And then they say, okay, uh, somebody didn't show up. So, you know, here, you know, California stud, you know, you're going to get your, here's the GWF title, you know, people are going to be like, okay, we paid to see a title match, not, you know, the title just being handed over. And, you know, that's not, that's not a knock on, that's not a knock on you. Cause obviously, you know, you, you worked hard, you were with that company. So obviously, you know, you deserve to be the champion. Uh, but also, you know, people want to see, you know, the title change hands in the ring. Yeah, and you know, for Scott, I, I, you know, I know Scott. We're still friends. We still talk today, and we've never, just never brought this question up to us. But uh, I know Scott wouldn't have no show because he had to put me over because he knows I would have, you know, put him over right because you know we had to protect each other, and you know I was a heel. I would have, I would have screwed him somehow with a gimmick or something, 
that wouldn't have hurt him. You know, it was just taking the title off of him. But to, you know, to throw it on you or to do this or to do that, it just uh, didn't sit right and it wasn't right for the business. Right. He's another one. I, I actually, I'm friends with him on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, and he's actually helped out with a couple of uh, show ideas before. Um, and, and so like, and he's another one that I want to try to get on the show. Cause there's so much I want to ask him. And there's actually a lot my brother wants to ask him too. Uh, so like, he's an, he's another one that, you know, I got to, um, I have on the list. Uh, but all right, so GWF ends in September of '94. You uh, go to uh, Germany, right, to Otto Wants's yeah. uh, CWA or the Catch Wrestling Association. Yeah. How did yeah. that come about? Uh, John Layfield, Johnny Hawk was—he uh, had gone one year, and. I was like, well, it'd be great. I'd love to go. And I got the address and sent Otto some pictures. And, man, he jumped all over. And uh, I got he he took me over. I could have gone back the following year. But, again, I was working for uh, WWF, doing doing house shows for him. And uh, it just didn't fit my schedule. But... uh, I had a great time uh, working every night. Finley, Tony St. Clair, uh, there was Lance Storm was over there. Uh, there was a lot, you know, you had the opportunity to work every night and be in a bed, you know, that night because they were uh, different towns, but you stayed in the town, you know, sometimes 30, 60 days. So it was, uh, it was good that way. And, to work with people uh, had so many, so many opportunities to to wrestle people that I hadn't hadn't had the chance to, and uh, I enjoyed it, man. Uh, hindsight again, I wish I went back the second year. Right uh, now, you talked about how you were working uh, house shows for the uh, WWF. I know. Of uh, that, you actually did a dark match for the WWF in '97 against a uh, young guy uh, who's actually doing movies now, but uh, <laughs> by the yeah. name of uh, Rocky Maivia. And I remember, I remember seeing this because it was a dark match on a Raw that my brother and I and our other co-host uh, Eric actually reviewed on this show. I think it was uh-huh. February 17th, 1997. That, that actually was the night that Sid beat Bret Hart for the WWF title. And right. you, you got to work the dark match against Rock. Did you know at that time that Rock was going to be something, you know, that Rock was going to eventually be as big as he was? To, to say that he was going to be as big as he was, I had not you know, no idea, and I don't think anybody else did. But I knew he was loaded with talent, and uh, you know, it. When the Rock came, it, it just fit him, fit his personality, and man, he he got the ball and he ran with it. Now, was there talk at that time because, like, you know, you were working, 
Dark Masters, was there talk like in 97 of putting you on TV? Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, you know, I was working, they wanted me to work with with the talent that they were looking at, was basically how I was working, and uh, I had no problem with it, man, the travel was easy, sometimes, uh, sometimes it was only a dark match, sometimes they'd scratch the whole thing, you'd get there, be dressed, ready to go, uh, getting ready to go out, and they say, now we're scratching it and uh, move on to something else. But uh, it was it was fun while it lasted. You know, it was uh, good pay and was on the road not too much, but enough to, to make a living. Right. Uh, I, I got to ask you about this because I didn't bring him up, you know, when we were talking about GWF, but were you – uh, working the dark matches for the WWF at the time when they brought Dell in. When they brought who in? I'm sorry. When they brought uh, Patriot Dell in. Yeah. Okay. What went wrong with him? <laughs> Man, I don't know. Uh, he. He had all the tools he could work. I mean, uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, the way they use people. And I thought him and uh, him and Buff were going to make a good tag team together, you know. I think it was Stars and Stripes, but uh, that didn't last either. So, yeah, I don't no, that know. Is... I think. Or, or go ahead, Rod. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, you know, sometimes they have ideas and sometimes the ideas are not good. And it doesn't, right. it doesn't fit the wrestler. You know, sometimes they try to mold him into something that he just can't do. Right. Yeah. And uh, as far as stars and stripes go, I actually said this when we did a, uh, a tribute show, uh, John Horton and I ended up doing it. Uh, like I think it was a month after Dell passed last year, uh, mm-hmm. I had made the comment, and people all over Facebook in different Facebook groups wanted to kill me. But I said <laughs> that you know Dell Wilkes is probably the greatest partner that Buff Bagwell ever had, and they're like, oh well, what about Scott Steiner? I said, what about him? I go Dell. Right. To me, Dell is head over heels a better athlete a better promo than, than Scott Steiner ever was. And I love Scott Steiner. Uh, right. So did a lot of people that saw that I posted that. And I'm pretty sure, you know, there are people trying to get out here with pitchforks and torches. Uh, <laughs> but no, but yeah, no, that was Dell was just, I was always a huge uh, Patriot fan. Patriot, uh, again, he's one of the main reasons why I watched GWF when I was a kid, because I was enthralled with that character. Uh, And then, you know, he gets to the WWF, and I'm happy for him, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just, it's not working, and, you know, people just, it was either they didn't want to put him over, or uh, they really, you know, they just lost interest in him, and then, you know, there's a story out there of Jim Cornette trying to kill Kevin Dunn because, you know, Kevin Dunn was just ignoring the problem. 
Uh, right. And but that's another yeah. story for another time. Of yeah. uh, but yeah, no, I just I never understood why you know Dell didn't work out there. But you know, I guess it is it is what it is. But again, you know, rest in peace, obviously to to Dell Wilkes. He's uh. Because, you know, at the time of his passing, he was actually in the middle of a big podcast run himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was pushed this podcast and, you know, it was, it was a shock to me, you know, to wake up and hear he hit pass. And I'm sure everybody else thought the same, but uh, I thought he was doing really well with his podcast. It was kind of conservative, uh, Push and wrestling. I think Paul Roma was doing the same type, or they were doing it together. I'm not. I can't remember exactly. They were. Uh, they were working for the same guy. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, the guy also that same person also had uh, had a show with Don Morocco, and he had a show with Ken Patera. Yeah. Uh, but all right, so. I gotta move on because I feel like if I if I don't bring up your ECW run, there's gonna be a lot of people that I am friends with that are you know native <laughs> native Philadelphians that are going to you know be very mad at me. Uh, I mean they usually are anyway. But uh, how did the ECW run come about? Um, in ninety. 90- I was working with uh, USWA ECW was was working uh, shows with them and so was uh, WWF and I met Tommy Dreamer Uh, we hit it off Um, Dreamer called me and wanted me to move to, to Jersey at one point and I don't for whatever reason I couldn't but uh, they he wanted me then, and later on it was must have been ninety six or something or, or had to be ninety six. But uh, later on, I got uh, Scott Putsky, uh had done some shows with him and threw my name in the hat. And Paul's like, "Is he still working?" He said, "Yeah," and uh, they were coming to Louisiana and kind of. Went down, did some shows with him, and he, uh, Tommy said, "Hey, congratulations! You're uh, you're on full time with us." I was like, "Wow!" And I, I love DCW. It was it was a great way to end. You know, I, for me, it was you know they were such an underground major company. <laughs> you know, it was some people called it triple a wrestling you know triple a ball or whatever but it was such a blast man i had such a good time uh paul Heyman, he uh he treated me right uh basically i'd work with gang uh we would tag team we do dark matches with on the pay-per-views or we do some house shows where we'd open up and get them going or whatever, but, uh, for TV and we did some TV with them, but, uh, I had a ball there towards the end of it. Paul was just flying me in to watch, uh, watch the monitor. And, 
put in my two cents. You know, I'd I'd try to help out anybody I could. Uh, it, it was fun for me because I I was beat up, man. When I came out of football, I knew my career was going to be short because I my physically I was beat up. And towards the end of ECW, it was really starting. Uh, my body was really in need of being repaired, and just to be flown in and given the respect, uh, you know, hey, put in your two cents on the monitor, that uh, it meant a lot to me. And uh, Paul Heyman was great. I never never had a bounce check from him. I always uh, went to Ace Cashing, which was in Chalmette, Louisiana. They may have had 100, but I never had one. I always went there and cashed his checks and got all my money, except 25 bucks for their fee. Well, uh, that's going to be uh, – people are going to listen to this and their jaws are going to drop. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it's good it, It's good to – I mean, well, because people still talk – even the people that Heyman had, you know, quote-unquote screwed over, they still talk right. about him with a smile on their face uh, and, and with deep fondness, even if he did, you know, bounce their check or whatever. But he's still so respected because he was such a he was such a visionary. Uh, yeah. And I, I got to ask you, and uh, a buddy of mine at my workplace wanted me to ask you about this because uh, this uh, he wanted me to ask you about uh, Spike Dudley because I think you've had you had a couple matches against Spike, and Spike's birthday is actually tomorrow. So, okay. uh, like, what are your memories of like? Uh, what are your memories of Spike? Uh, Spike was really, <laughs> for me, I thought, man, this kid's pretty intelligent. What's he doing in wrestling? But he he knew his role. He fit in. I mean, my job was to go out and put him over, and I tried my best to do that. And um, he was, for me, you know, he was cool to be around, cool to talk to, Uh he knew, you know, why he was there, what he was doing, and and being part of that ECW at that time was something special. And Spike, I I don't know what he's doing today, but uh, I hope he's doing it well. Yeah, I think because I know he was a he was a teacher when he got pulled into yeah. wrestling. He may he something tells me that he may have gone back to teaching. I'm not sure, but no spike in the ECW doing the whole, the whole giant killer thing. Uh, to be honest with you, I liked his matches with Mike awesome. Uh, yeah. and again, and I think I've asked you th- about, about Mike awesome before there's a TV match. It's also on YouTube, but it is on uh, the WWE network on Peacock. You know, you work uh, Mike Awesome. He was the world champion. Uh, right. Of course, he was doing that gimmick where, you know, basically if you wrestled him, you had to go through the table. Uh, right. What are your memories of working that match with Mike? <laughs> well, I remember, you know, I wasn't going to take the bump to the table. My, I knew I had a, I had a fracture in my neck, and it was it was semi healing it wasn't severe you know i wasn't didn't have any uh paralysis or losing feeling or anything it just 
it was healing and uh that bump was not going to be good for it and i told him i go look i'm a, you know i don't mind working with mike but uh, i'm not taking that bump because of my neck and they said okay they they you know he had so many people showing up i can't remember the guy's name he was uh like my manager but he ended up taking the bump through the table for me uh, but Prezak, right yeah yeah, we actually uh, he actually has been on the show before. Okay. Because uh, he's because he's a uh, good friend of uh, Scott Hudson's, and uh, okay. Hudson. <laughs> it was actually on the GWF episode that uh, that we did. Uh, you, I believe, had cut out early, and uh, Hudson had called Prazak and said, "Dude, come on, you got to get on the show." Uh, so Scott Hudson actually set that whole thing up. Uh, but yeah, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Prazak, uh, was his name. Uh, okay. Well, Steve, I, I thank you because I, I couldn't have taken that bump that night. There's no way, man. But uh, working the match with Mike was, was easy. I have remember vividly during the match when he, he jumped out of the ring and I caught him and we took our bump together, but man, he thanked me so many times during the match and after the match, he said, man, nobody ever caught me. Nobody ever catches me. They just let me fall and take, you know, he gets hurt that way. And uh, he was like, man, thank you, thank you for catching me. I was like, brother, it's the way we were taught, you know. Yeah. He is just, he's another one gone, in my opinion, gone too soon. Uh, he was yeah. such a great athlete that, uh you know, WWF and WCW both missed the boat on him. Big time. Uh, Big time. And and it's like, I don't know how they were going to use him, and maybe they didn't know either. Because, you know, he was a big guy, and there's a lot of uh, big eagles that were big guys at the time. And why they didn't take the chance and, and use him right, I don't know. But... Uh, Man, I thought he was a heck of a talent. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, your ECW tenure kind of came up, uh, kind of ended in '99, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, now they, they were going, they were going to TNA at the time or TNT, whatever it was, and uh, TNT didn't want all the violence of ECW. And the fans were really, really starting to, you know, revolt. I remember going to shows and and uh, go out and I'd use for the fans just because, you know, they were like, I had more people telling me, man, keep it alive, bro, ECW, keep it alive. <laughs> but I'd do it more for them than I did for, uh, you know, who am I working with, New Jack or whatever. But, uh TNT was trying to trying to soften up the violence, and and it just I, I saw it wasn't going to work. Right, uh, you know, you brought up New Jack. There's a match on YouTube. It's you versus New Jack. Now the the video is only like two minutes and something long, but he beat the crap out of you. Uh, right. How was it? How was it working with New Jack? 
And, it, like, did you have to tell him, it'd be like, now, try not to kill me? No. Uh, no, nah, Jack never hurt me, man. It was, again, it was a pay-per-view, and there were really, everybody, I don't know, for whatever reason, up to that time, hadn't, uh, was kind of working like everybody else, you know, it wasn't like an ECW thing. And I told Jack, I said, man, come out, I'll juice for you, do whatever you want, you know. And we got the biggest pop for, uh, you know, for doing like an ECW show. And I I remember Paul said thank you afterwards for it. And uh, because the show was kind of, I'm not saying it was dying and I saved the show. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying uh, the fans were kind of sitting on their hands because it wasn't wasn't the ECW show that they expected. Right. Uh, Yeah, because I've heard uh, Paul talk before about how, you know, New Jack could be a pain in his ass, but, you know, New Jack, you know, especially, you know, when New Jack passed away, which, you know, nobody saw coming. Uh, Right. Like, you know, Paul Heyman did this touching tribute to New Jack, which actually brought a tear to my eye. Uh, uh-huh. But it's just like, you know, New Jack, yeah, he could be a pain, and he was a public relations corporate nightmare. Right. But he was loyal, and God, was he over with that crowd. Yeah. Uh, and One now... I told I've only told this I've only told this to two wrestlers. One was uh, the boogeyman. The other one was was Jerome. That man, I wish I would have wish I would have got that gimmick or thought of that gimmick a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Now, uh, have you uh, done any uh, wrestling lately? No, I. Uh, I've had so many surgeries. I helped out uh, uh, the SWE when it was in Texas. Uh, I helped out with their uh, TV and uh, helped out with their school, you know, helped training people and, and putting together matches and helping helping James Beard and Kevin Sullivan, whatever I could do to help make the show better, to get across maybe – you know, I could relate more to certain things and I could help out that way or they just wanted me to, you know, put in my two cents sometimes. And it, it was fun. It was a lot of travel, more travel uh, than I wanted because uh, Texas, you know, been there, done that. But uh, when you do that almost 30 years later after you've been beat up in a lot of surgeries, it was, it was I don't travel well anymore so uh i haven't done anything uh recently uh outside of uh your podcast and a few other podcasts uh still have a lot of people that uh will send me matches and say hey take a look at that what do you think and that's about all i do i mean i enjoyed my time i i enjoyed the camaraderie i enjoyed working uh i love doing these podcasts talking about you know the way things were in different times but as far as wrestling uh i'm done uh 
I loved it when I did it. I just, one thing, it's hard to relate to uh, what they're doing now. You know, I was hoping Triple H would kind of turn back the clock and time will tell, but I, I don't know which way they're going right now either. Yeah, he's uh, and I'll I'll say this about uh, Triple H, the fact that he's bringing back the people that uh, or some of the people that helped kind of you know make NXT as good as it was. I mean, it's mm-hmm. to me, it's kind of a you know, uh, I do see a bright future. I think for the company, it just it just I don't know how bright it's going to be. Uh, but, you know, hopefully after being, you know, under the McMahon, uh, the Vince McMahon regime for so long, you know, yeah. sometimes, a lot of times change is good. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I mean, so far, I think so far, so good. I mean, there are some people that I would like to see them bring back. And there's some people I'd actually like to see them take off TV, but. Right. No. Right. Uh but no, like, and that's the thing. And to be honest with you, Rod, I watch a lot more uh, older wrestling than I do current. Uh, yeah. It also helps with the fact that I have to watch older wrestling because I have a wrestling podcast where about mm-hmm. 80 to 85% of our content is going back and watching classic stuff. Sure. So uh, that basically, you know, helps me, you know, kind of get into the moods of, like, watching, like, certain things. Like, you know, a lot of times I'll go to bed, when I go to bed, I'll put on, uh, like, a playlist of, like, any WCW stuff, or there's been a few times uh, I found a playlist of old GWF episodes. I'll turn that on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to me, like, the the olden days, like, the days I grew up on, I think are are my favorite and it's got a lot to do, you know, with, you know, people like, you know, yourself and Hollywood and Bill and Bart and Dell and, you know, Putsky and of course, you know, like Kerry Von Erich and Akbar, you know, even some of the guys, you know, I'll even uh, mention uh, Macho Man Randy Savage because he's my all time favorite WWF wrestler along with Roddy Piper and Jim Duggan and Sting. And Rick Root, I think, is one of the greatest heels of all time. Uh, but it's like, it, it's, you know, uh, wrestlers like you guys that, you know, helped me fall in love with the wrestling business uh, and follow it for as long as I did and kind of helped me try to become like a wrestling historian to where, like, I can have this podcast and kind of, you know, give knowledge to people that are just like, you know, They've never heard of some of this stuff before, but then like kind of fill their brain with, you know, oh yeah, this happened. Uh, right. But it's it's because of you know guys like you know again guys like yourself, guys like Hollywood that you know help me fall uh, fall in love with you know wrestling and become you know so involved in in watching it. So. And I, I appreciate that, and I, I appreciate you know a lot of the you know stuff you sacrificed over the years. Uh, yeah, it, you know. it's a, it's a different you know it's a different time, uh, different different style wrestling uh, was you know the, the territories had 
had dried up and, you know, you had the option of working WCW or WWF at the time. And, you know, things like global coming in brought back sparks of uh, the territories. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of following just because of that. Right. Uh, but no, I, I want to thank, I want to thank you, Rod, for uh, taking uh, some time out of your, uh, out of your day. Well, actually now it's night uh, <laughs> to, uh, to uh, kind of go down memory lane with us and uh, you know, tell, us you. Some, tell us some stories. Uh, and de- I definitely want to do uh, more. Uh, we're de- definitely going to have you back on in, in the future. And I wanted, to, I actually want to try to do like some kind of like panel shows with like you. And uh, if we can get somehow get Bill on and, uh, and, and Hollywood of, and I'll talk to, I, I'm going to see if I could talk to, uh, to, uh, John Horton, uh, see if I could get him on. Cause he loves talking about global and USWA. Sure. Uh, well, absolutely. Maybe, when Doug, when we're done here, I'm going to, I'm going to text you, uh, Wild Bill and, uh, Hollywood's number. And I'll give John a heads up that you're calling and, I'm sure he. I'm sure him and Bill would be love to do it, man. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I'll probably, uh, yeah, I will probably call them within like uh, the next uh, couple of days because um, <laughs> sure. I, I am going to be. Uh, unfortunately, like I work a lot. <laughs> I, I I've been doing like <laughs> I, I've been doing fifty five hour weeks for like the last. Uh, oh man. So. Um, but no, I'll definitely get get in touch with them, and we can try to yeah. you know set, set something up because I would love to have you guys on. Uh, just even just talking about GWF because it's one of my favorite you know all time, okay, all time territories. But yeah, no, if It'd you can, uh, what's that? It it would be fun to do that. I, I know these guys would would enjoy it, man. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, so. Uh, if you could uh, help me out with that, that would be much appreciated. Bet, and uh, bet, my brother. All right. And I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time you gave us uh, real quick. Uh, I know you're a Raiders fan. So yeah. uh, what's your prediction? Of, what's their record going to be this year? I look at them to be, I'm saying uh, 12, Twelve wins. I let, they got to they got to do better. They got more talent. So I'm 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 going out on a limb saying twelve, thirteen wins. Okay. And they're taking the division. I I was just going to add that because that division right now, I believe that that is going to be the most competitive division yeah. in, in football. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, too, we actually do have uh, on our network here. We actually do have a football show that we. Well, I don't. I don't do it because it, they do it on a night where uh, I'm not home. But uh, a couple <laughs> of our guys, you know, they do a football right. show where they recap everything. So I mean, we do just about everything on this network. Uh, awesome. awesome. But uh, again, Rod. Hey, Rod, is there anything uh, you would like to plug before uh, we sign off here? I have. Plug, man. I just asked for prayers. My wife's going to have uh, surgery on the 18th. She's having a shoulder rebuilt. So uh, 
anybody that believes in the power of prayer like I do, just lift her up and uh, thank you for having me, Doug. It's been fun, man. I can't believe we've been on here for almost two hours. Uh, It's just gone by. Thank you so much for having me, brother. You're very welcome, and uh, give uh, give my best to uh, give my best to the misses. Hopefully, you know I'll be praying that the shoulder surgery goes uh, real well, and just uh, stay safe out there, guys. And uh, we'll be uh, you'll be in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, and Rod, again, thank you for coming on, and you are welcome to be on this show anytime. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that, Doug. Uh, no problem, Rod. It's always it's always a pleasure to have you. So uh, with that being said, uh, real quick, make sure you listen to Boxman and Smart, the dirt sheet, or not the, they're not the dirt sheet dudes anymore. I don't know what I'm talking about. The Wrestling Outlet, <laughs> uh, Mixler.com slash Wrestling Outlet, Wednesday nights, 10.15, 10.20 Eastern Time. Catch them Saturday nights for the Hollywood Hangout. Mixler.com slash Hollywood Hangout, Saturday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You're going to catch us, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time every Friday night for Unscripted Wrestling. Next week, we're going to do a feud retrospective on Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, uh, which, you know, my brother and I and our buddy Eric cannot wait to do because that's probably one of the greatest rivalries of WWF's Attitude Era. Uh, Of course, catch us Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time for... Uh, unscripted unlimited there will be no show tomorrow night because uh, i um i will be uh, busy and everybody else is out of town uh so but we will be back next week and we'll be doing a cartoon network cartoon tier list for that uh sunday 3 p.m eastern time for uh the stab cast daniel and mindy they covered the babysitter killer queen um, and it's, uh, the episode has already been recorded, but it will be out, uh, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Then Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, catch Daniel and Bobby with the web cave. Uh, by the way, Daniel and Mindy do the stab cast, uh, catch Daniel and Bobby, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the web cave for, uh, um, and they will be they will be covering. Uh, I believe they're going to be doing their Iron Man versus uh, Black Panther uh, uh, debate. So catch that 7 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. And then um, also uh, catch our buddy Sean Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, and that about does it. Also catch uh, Mindy from the Stabcast on TikTok and the Facebook groups and also the WebCave Facebook group. And, uh, again, thank you again, Rod Price. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, best of luck uh, to the misses in the uh, shoulder surgery. We'll all be praying for you. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Later. I've got the look that drives the cool while I've got the moves that really move them. I said, chill.